and welcome to this episode of the Psychology of Music podcast, hosted by the York Music Psychology Group. My name is Dr Mimi O'Neill and I'm thrilled to welcome you, or to welcome you back. The goal is to share our work with each other in the field and also make these exciting topics more accessible to non-specialist audiences. So whether you're a researcher, a student, a musician, a lover of music, or just curious about the way that we interact with music, you're in the right place. This week, we have a special series of shorter episodes showcasing five PhD research projects in the field of music psychology. The aim of any PhD is to contribute original knowledge to the field in which we work. Those that embark on that journey explore their chosen subject for a minimum of three years, often eating, sleeping, living and breathing the subject. In many cases, what we will be discussing this week will be work in progress, and we are really lucky to have these first glimpses of the future of music psychology. Today I'm talking to Jonathan, or J.T. Tang, who comes from the sunny island of Singapore. J.T. read sociology and psychology at Singapore Management University, music therapy as well as contemporary writing and production at Berklee College of Music in the US, and graduated with an MA in music therapy at St. Mary of the Woods College in the US. He is currently a PhD researcher at the University of Sheffield under the supervision of Professor Nicola Dibbon and Professor René Timmers. Prior to his PhD, he worked as a music therapist in medical, special education and mental health settings. JT's doctoral research examines the intersections of culture, music and emotions. More specifically, he is interested in how cultural models of selfhood influence affective experiences in music. His PhD project will focus on music preferences, perceived emotions in music and felt emotions through music. Welcome, JT, and thank you for coming on the Psychology of Music podcast. Could you kick things off by telling us what your PhD is about? Hi, so um, my PhD project looks at cultural self or how different cultural models of selfhood influence affective experiences with music. So specifically how different ways of being influence the type of music that we like, how different uh, types of cultural selves or selfhood influence how we perceive emotions in music and sometimes even how we feel emotions when listening to music. That's great. Thanks. There's, um, there's a lot of moving parts in there, a lot of variables in there. Um, so culture, music, emotions, preferences, etc. And these have all been explored in various ways in previous research, but I don't think anyone's really come at it from this particular perspective before. Could you tell me sort of where your interest in this topic came from um, and how you've organized this this web of factors yeah um i mean it's it's quite a long story it, to be honest um so i have been working as a music therapist for quite a while and i worked in the us i worked in singapore and something that has been bugging me at the back of my mind um after these sessions is like what hap- why why do i see certain different reactions or different responses that people have when responding to music and so culture was this thing that really stuck out to me in in the us i worked in florida so i had a lot of experiences working with um people from hispanic hispanic ex populations or people in singapore there's quite a diverse range of ethnicities including chinese indian caucasian malay mixed race and so this culture question kept kept coming up in my mind of like what what is it about culture and 
when reading research, yep, you're absolutely right. A lot of research does have looked at culture and, and emotions and all these different variables or moving parts. And, and when I was, in, I was in Singapore, I was part of this research lab looking at self-controls. And that's where I kind of looked or found um, another way of con conceptualizing culture. And culture is not in this big kind of variables when everybody thinks of culture, very often people think of countries, right? When I ask, when I talk to people about my research, they'll ask me, oh, which countries are you focusing on? And it's not actually necessarily country specific. So looking at self, because how we interact in the world, for example, for me, I, I being ethnically Chinese, born and raised in Singapore, um, I've moved to the UK and now I'm in a different context. So it's, where is that culture? Is it UK culture? Is it Singapore culture? Is it ethnically Chinese culture? So the, the, the role of self is, is quite informative in the sense that my, my self is kind of influenced by these contextual factors. And so that's how I came into to investigating the self. And there's this one particular experience in music therapy when I was leading a music therapy group in Singapore, which was very interesting. I was um, facilitating a group and the topic for that uh, music therapy group was on friendships, was talking about social support and certain songs that that participants chose. So one song that they chose was You've Got a Friend in Me by Randy Newman. You've got a friend in me. Yeah, it's a nice song to jam. And, you know, after that song or even during that song, people were moving a lot. People were bobbing their heads. And after, the to after that song in music therapy, we call it like song discussion or song or lyric analysis, looking at their lyrics and how it relates to their lives. You know, they started talking about themselves. They started to say, you know, I am, I am this person. I am, I am great. I'm creative. I'm this. And so they're talking a lot about themselves. But on the contrary, when I introduced another song, um, this is a song called Peng Yo by Zhou Hua Jian. So it's a Emil Chao, I think is his English name. And the translation is friends. It's kind of similar topic, but, but the, the chorus goes something like Peng Yo so it's it, it still talks about friendship a bit similar to you've got a friend um and one interesting response was that when after that song was played people weren't were not bobbing their heads people were a bit more reserved people were a bit more shy and when they started talking about themselves they were not really talking about themselves but they would say oh you know my friend had this my friend did that and so that's kind of in line with what the concept of self, the independent self, looking at me, my, I am strong, I'm creative, all these dispositional factors or characteristic factors, as opposed to an interdependent self, which is more relational, where they talk about their friendships, you know, I'm a brother, I'm a son, I'm a, I'm a student, those kinds of characteristics. And so that's, that kind of brings in all of this. So looking at music preferences, you know, why do they like certain kinds of music? Um, and even in that, that um, interaction, you know, the way that they responded to music was very interesting. And so that's how I came into this. I like how you say web of factors. It is quite a bit, quite a lot of things to look at. It's really interesting that music can have that effect of sort of externalizing our bubble of consciousness. Um, so yeah. that's, that's great. And thank you for those examples. That was beautiful. So as you know, as you've covered already, you have this previous life. Previous life, or are you still practicing as a music therapist? I am in, in very small ways. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so can you tell me a bit about how that has influenced your research, and and we know it's motivated it, but does it come into your sort of interaction with participants, for example, your approach to analysis? Right. I. I mean. Um, for sure. I mean, I've, I've shared a little bit about how that that experience, and I mean, just throughout 
my years of practicing as a music therapist brought me to wanting to do a PhD, uh, brought me to my research. Um, and it, I mean, definitely, I would say that it has influenced the way I interact with my my participants, you know, when I'm interviewing them, I, I think my background as a music therapist did help me uh, prepare me to 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 interact with them in a more empathetic way, uh, help me to be a bit more sensitive. Or I think one one of the beautiful things about music is that it helps to build rapport, you know, it's like, oh, have you heard this song? Oh, yes. And then they'll start like chitter chattering about about that. And it's a nice way to kind of kind of break the ice and really dig deeper into to some of those sometimes a bit difficult or maybe unknown some of the things that we are talking about is sometimes not consciously aware and so when you bring it bring it to light they'll be like oh i didn't realize that and so that's that's always very interesting for me so is the goal to combine these two backgrounds in some way after your phd the research and the music therapy yeah i mean exactly i think i think music psychology and music therapy are not exactly separate i did have I just attended an, another thing. I'm going to put a plug here for the Music Mind Machine Lab at University of Sheffield. We did have our lab meeting last week and we had someone, Eduardo Cortino, I think I pronounced his name right, mm -hmm. um, from University of Liverpool. He, he has an applied music lab at the University of Liverpool and he shared some of his exciting work that he does there. And it's, 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 it's amazing what music psychologists are coming up with in terms of using music for health and well-being. So he... They were sharing about an app that's coming out that helps people with emotion regulation, which is great. There's some other research projects of using songwriting with dementia, which is also great. And I think there's a lot of parallels and, and, and synergies that music therapists and music psychologists have. Um, yeah, so definitely bringing those two together. For me, I think that it's not really separate. I think it's, it's that there's, there's a lot to learn from one another. And I think as a, as a discipline, a broader, bigger discipline, we can definitely bring these two together and hopefully I mean part of part of the aim of my this this research that I'm doing is that it can be applied you know how can through this understanding of how different cultural identities or cultural selves come into play how does what does that mean for therapy what does that mean for for uh, clinicians bringing music or using music uh, in certain things and maybe being a bit mindful of you know different cultural ways of being and different ways of um health, different, different understandings of health. So as well as chatting to me for the podcast, you are going to be giving a five minute flash talk in the Music Cognition Matters speaker series on Friday. Can you give us a brief overview of what we can expect from your presentation? So I'm, I'm going to actually just share very briefly some of the preliminary findings that I found with regards to music rewards. So, um, when people from different cultures um, have certain selves, they experience reward or the pleasure that they get from music is a bit different. And so I will not say too much here. So it's an, uh, a little tease for you to kind of come to this Friday. <laughs> no spoilers, people just have to listen. Um, and as part of this speaker series, we are also inviting presenters to issue a sort of call to action or, or just a prompt for further thought and discussion. So if this is a topic that is of interest and you'd like to be part of that conversation, then make sure you do join us for JT's presentation on Friday. So this week, we are taking the opportunity to reflect a little on the experience of being a PhD student so far. Um, so what have been your highlights and challenges? Has there been anything that surprised you at all about yourself or about the process? What would your reflections be? Wow, that's that's a 
a big one, I would say. I think it's, it's um, I think personally, I felt that I, I've always wanted to do a PhD. It's a matter of when and and whether uh, whether I was able to do it in terms of financial means and whatever not. Uh, but I guess I guess the whole experience has been quite interesting. I think for me, uh, the 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 independent learning part was it was a challenge, but it was also something that I enjoyed a lot. Where you know, I had my own freedom to do to take my time with it, but at the same time. I felt that, you know, I, while I wasn't pressured, I have a certain pressure on myself to like do certain things. So that kept me going, ongoing with, with the PhD and I've, I've, all the interactions that I've had with all the PhD, other PhD students, even with faculty and just some of the, the opportunities that I had with the Music Mind Machine Lab, just hearing all the different research projects just, just makes, makes things even more exciting because you know, everybody's investigating something so unique. And so, so in a way, cutting edge that it's like, oh, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions that come up from there. So it is, it is quite interesting. Uh, I wouldn't lie and say that it's an easy process. It is, it is quite a tedious, tedious process, but I think I'm enjoying it so far. That's good to hear. Um, and, and based on that, based on what you've learned so far, what advice would you give to someone who was thinking of doing an MA or a PhD? in music psychology? Uh, I mean, I guess for one, passion and interest. If you have a certain interest in a certain aspect, I mean, go all out for it. You know, um, you'll, you'll find that maybe sometimes the research answers all your questions. Um, and sometimes you might find that, no, it doesn't. And in, in my case, it didn't. And so that actually, there was like a burning desire of like, ha ha, you know, why isn't this studied? And so I felt like I could maybe do something different and maybe contribute. To the field so if you have any interest go for it i would say that's great advice thank you um and so my final question uh is is there an article or similar that you have read recently that you would recommend to others yeah um there's this book that i really really like it's a bit old now um 2005 but i think it's it's one of the first few books that kind of gave me uh an insight into what differences there might be cross-culturally. Um, so the book is written by this person called Richard Nisbet. I hope I pronounced his name right. And it's called The Geography of Thought, How Asians and Westerners Think Differently and Why. So it's, it's really interesting. It's not necessarily about psychology of music. They do refer to some music aspects in, in there of why, you know, um, maybe certain music might be preferred by certain people. Um, but I thought that was a nice one in kind of giving you a, a little sense of um, you know, what, what differences are there? And maybe it provokes, has some provocations for you of like, really, is that the case? And that can spur a bit more thought and, and discussion. Great recommendation. Thank you. And, and JT, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your project with me. I'm really looking forward to your Music Formation Matters presentation. You can watch JT's Music Cognition Matters Flash Talk online at one o'clock this Friday, the 26th of May. The link is in the show notes and can also be found at muzz-cog-matters.glitch.me. Thanks for listening, and I hope to welcome you back for our next episode tomorrow, in which we will be exploring gamelan, shared flow state and physiological synchrony with Hannah Gibbs, and modelling music selection in everyday life with Noah Henry.